0: What side of the virtual hardwood? It's the NLSC podcast. This is episode number 472. I am Andrew, Andrew in our forum and Andrew NLSC on Twitter. Joining me as always, my co-host Derek. He is DP3 forum and also on Twitter at DP3G and DP384. Derek, good to be talking to you as always. What's
1: new? So first off, I'm happy to be here, Andrew. Um, I love recording this podcast every single week. Uh, second off, I want our listeners to keep a close eye on the NLSC YouTube channel. I've had a lot of great gameplay videos go up recently, including NBA Live 2000, um, NBA Live 2003, NBA Playgrounds, NBA Jam Legends on Fire Edition. And most of those videos are actually community based. They're me connecting with the community on Parsec or me connecting with you etc and um yeah i just want people to keep an eye on that content because it's a lot of fun and it's a good quick watch so we have those highlights up on the youtube channel and then we also have andrew and my nba jam legends on fire edition session where we replayed the 1992 finals with john z1's incredible mod and how great of a guest was he last week oh that was such a fun conversation and to
0: get those insights into that mod and uh, and share some of that inside information uh michael jordan in jam 2010 that's something that we need to put out there so i was very glad we could uh, touch on that
1: yeah and just the whole mod looks great oh it does right? so it's fun. not even just having jordan in there it's the fact that it's like you play against the phoenix suns and and it, they have their 92 93 court in there and Barkley's face in there and it's it's so well done but that 1992 finals Gameplay video between the Bulls and the Trailblazers is also up on the NLC YouTube. And then obviously the top 10 players of the week, Andrew, we just hit week 100. So thank you to the community for submitting highlights every week and and tuning in and and getting into it and whatnot without you the top 10 would not exist so um i thought it was a great top 10 again this week and um 100 weeks in a row we haven't missed a week and um yeah i thank the community for that
0: absolutely and i love how the top 10 continues to gain momentum I mean it was it was popular right from the start, but people have just been getting more and more into it. We're getting tagged on Twitter, people saying, "Hey, look, we've got something for the top ten or you know people calling out top ten plays when they're playing on with us on Parsec or with each other, and you can hear that in their in their streams, in their commentary and it's uh it's so rewarding to see uh, to see and hear people getting so into the top ten because that's that's why you're doing it, Derek, because it is a community initiative it's to celebrate basketball gaming, it's all about having fun it's about tipping off a fun weekend of basketball gaming each and every weekend and it's uh yeah it's just going from strength to strength and i love it
1: it's a celebration of basketball gaming but it's also a celebration of the basketball gaming community yes right and um i think that it's all about fun and that's the best thing about the top 10 there's no negative aspect to it it's basically sit down and enjoy a few minutes of outstanding basketball gaming highlights uh and like you said, you know, without the community, I wouldn't even be doing this. So, um, yeah, I appreciate you and keep the highlights coming.
0: That being said, I mean, highlights are always fun, but sometimes lowlights can be amusing too. So maybe sometimes, maybe a couple of times a year, we could do a bit of a blooper reel for people.
1: Oh, my God. I thought about doing that for the uh, April Fool's <laughs> yeah. Top 10. Or it was released on April 1st. And my brother was in the room with me, actually, while I was putting together the Top 10. And for that week, and he goes, you should find a really terrible highlight where like a missed dunk or an errant pass or something just completely bonehead play. And you should put that as like the 10th play and then say, "Ah, just kidding. (laughs) And, you know, move on to the regular highlights. Um, I didn't do anything for that uh, because not only was I a little bit short on time when I was putting it together, but good luck trying to comb through. Like the 30 000 to 40,000 highlights that I have saved on my PC to find a boneheaded play.
0: Yeah. Right? You don't usually so, save them. You don't but, usually save those plays. Yeah. I don't, ha- I
1: don't, number one, I don't usually save them. But number two, when I do, it's just mixed with all the other highlights. Of course. So I'd have to go, like, find it. And whatnot. So yeah, NLSC YouTube channel, I definitely recommend checking out the recent videos that have gone up on there because it's a lot of fun, um, a lot of great action, and it's very community oriented. And that's what we're we're all about here on the NLSC. Also, um, Andrew moved on to season six of his NBA 2K14 My Career. Six Andrew your sixth season that is absolutely wild that you know for the last couple of years you you played through five full seasons no simulating yeah that's on a video right. game with no simulation I'm just I'm blown away by your dedication and I love it
0: yeah I've just remained hooked on that uh, 2k14 in my career I haven't haven't actually played any games in year six yet been uh working up to that been a bit busy this week with uh catching up on some things but did finish the uh, got through the NBA Finals and won the fifth straight championship, and it was actually kind of a a rough journey, Derek. And as I said in the Monday tip off this week, although the numbers might make it look like it was a a just a complete domination of the season, and in some cases it was, but there were a lot of close calls, a lot of competitive games, especially in the Eastern Conference Finals. The Bulls just uh, threw Jimmy Butler at me because Michael Carter Williams is starting at point guard, so I've got to deal with uh, uh, Butler starting as the shooting guard. And he uh, was really making it tough for me in the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, and it, again, felt like the fatigue of a uh, full uh, five five uh, runs to the NBA Finals. So it kind of uh, got, it was kind of cool in that respect that it felt like there was some fatigue setting in and it was getting difficult to uh, to get that drive for five. But I, I did get it. Uh, the came down right to the wire. I posted the highlights on Twitter the the last uh, minute or so of the uh of the of game four where i clinched it and yes i swept the blazers but man did they make me earn it in that uh, game four and it was just such an exciting finish to the season uh looking forward to season six but for one thing derek and that is that Melo, camelo anthony after threatening to walk all season he's unhappy he's been unhappy since he missed most of the uh 2017 season with injury and we were winning all the games without him and it was hurting his morale and it looked like he was on his way out he re-signs for a season and relegates Terry Hansen, the great Terry Hansen, to the bench once again. So I'm looking at this season, Derek, and I'm thinking, am I going to have to really be a jerk about this? Am I going to have to try and push hard to get Mello traded or MCW traded? And if I do, is it just going to get somebody else who's high rated in return? And then they're in the lineup instead of Hansen anyway. So kind of in a pickle here.
1: The Carmelo Anthony situation is reminiscent of the real life situation between him and Jeremy Lin. If you really think about it, um, all the rumors we heard about how when Jim Jeremy Lynn was having that success in New York and Lynn's Sanity was happening, that Carmelo Anthony was jealous for sure or not a fan of it. So like similar to your situation um, where you're winning without Melo and he's, you know, like P.O.'d in the background. Yeah, no, I want to say, too, that I I know that your season wasn't a complete breeze because you had, I want to say, three game winners that were in the top 10 throughout season five. Yeah. So I know that there were plenty of close games, even during your wildly successful regular season. Um, I still can't believe that Terry Hansen is a bench player with the numbers that he was putting up and there's there should be a way to stick you at point guard and then you know have Hanson at small forward and mellow at shooting guard or vice versa or something like that in order to make that work it just doesn't make any sense to have Terry Hanson who put up hall of fame numbers to be coming off the bench
0: It is, and it comes down to him being a 77 overall, and with my help, obviously, uh, overachieving a bit with some of his ratings, and some of his shooting ratings aren't the best, but uh, getting wide open shot with my various signature skills that boost teammates' uh, shot-making ability as the playmaker, and uh, I can make him uh, dominate. So I I can see it from that respect, but unfortunately, the... The rotation logic in 2K14, my career isn't the best. Uh, he's coming off the bench, playing 12 minutes per game. That's what well, that's what he's slated to to play. They they don't really handle six man minutes very well in that game. And it wasn't until I think uh, 2K18, 2K19 that you could unlock the ability to influence, uh, uh, have influence over the rotations and suggest trades for teams and suggest uh, basically change the lineup. It, it was saying influence. It basically allowed you to make changes to the the lineup as you saw fit. Uh, so that's a, that was a few games away, unfortunately. So I'm doing the best I can and eyeing that uh, I don't, I'm not getting along with this teammate uh, interview question with the GM to see if I can force a trade. But again, it could even uh, lead to an even worse situation. I mean, Melo is only signed for one more season, so he may end up retiring or moving on anyway at the end of the season. But part of me, Derek, was thinking, I, I shouldn't have passed to him so much in the finals. I should have made it just let his morale just really drop so he walked. Um,
1: I'm, I messed up. Well... I am not surprised about anything after what I saw the Dallas Mavericks pull last night in the real NBA. Oh, yeah. Where they had a chance to make the playoffs and they sat Luka Doncic after only playing one quarter. Kyrie Irving didn't even play. They sat like three or four other players and they tanked out in the wide open, an obvious tank, um, and basically intentionally lost that game. So yeah, I mean, you doing that in the finals wouldn't be in a video game wouldn't be any worse than what the Dallas Mavericks pulled last night. I mean, how ridiculous is that? I guess they're under investigation now from the NBA. I saw just, that. Uh, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That trade for Kyrie uh, Irving is just that. That just destroyed them. That that just what what watched their watch face. The games? I've watched many Dallas Mavericks games since that happened, and it is the worst brand of basketball. Even when they were trying to win, it's the worst brand of basketball. You can play. It's literally pass it to a wing, which is Godonchich or Irving. It doesn't matter hand in hand. Who cares? They catch the ball and they over dribble into a contested shot or they over dribble and then they get like completely stifled and then they have to throw a pass and they're only throwing the pass because they have to, right? It's just a terrible brand of basketball. And it's not surprising at all to me that, that didn't work out, and I don't think Kyrie Irving's going to be there after this season. Yeah, it's, it's funny because they were talking about
0: bringing him back, re-signing him, but after the way it's gone, why? Why would you?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I don't look at his play style and his demeanor. I don't look at him as a winner. And I got to be honest with you, the way Luca handled this season, um, and the way he responded to adversity when Kyrie got there and everything, um, the way he was laughing in the in the first quarter multiple times and seen smiling while he was knowingly tanking the season um i don't consider him the greatest competitor either so we'll see what happens in the future but no it's great to see that you're still playing nba 2k 14 that that season is still going that that my career is still going strong and it's unbelievable you actually might finish a full career on a video game andrew
0: yeah i I mean i'd love to do it I, i if nothing else i'd like to get to the the present day i'd like to bring it up to uh the uh, 2023 season or i guess by the time i get there probably the 2024 season so i think that'd be really cool to do that i mean this is the 10th anniversary this year this this year marks the 10th anniversary of the release of that uh, landmark game nba 2k14 for ps4 and xbox one so that'd be kind of cool
1: and i love the highlights how cool do they look i'm sorry people can say what they want about you know quote-unquote advancements and all of that stuff just nothing beats that nba 2k14 lighting and atmosphere right and even like so just some of the player models the way they look from the gameplay point of view in those instant replays and everything like you doing that reverse layup in the finals that was in the uh in the top 10 obviously a jordan package layup yep um but like that game just stands out still from a graphical perspective and i love it also wanted to point out to uh the ncaa basketball 10 march madness tournament it is still very much alive. It's been very tough to get the the players that are in the final four to get to their games because life happens, right? Um, when Tecmo Bowl isn't available, Brent Lane is. When Tecmo Bowl is available, Brent Lane is not. King J Mace was gone for like a week on a vacation. Um, he He did not. He was unable to play and connect on Parsec during that time. So like it's not easy getting the games in sometimes but the important thing is, is that we're going to finish it at some point when those people become available so keep an eye out for that um and i think the next tournament i'm going to do andrew is going to be on street volume two
0: yeah people want that yeah. for a while exactly and speaking of life getting in the way uh, we haven't had a chance to connect on uh, college slam and uh, do that stream yet but we are still keen to do that uh, again just just life getting in the way
1: yeah i think um it's tough because sometimes when I'm connecting with the community um, on Parsec, you're not even awake yet. Because you live on the other side of the, the world. So like when I played NBA Live 2003 with Kerr, DXDO and um, we I streamed that game on my channel, now the highlights are up on the NLC channel. When I played that game, you were asleep, right? So like it's, people need to understand too that Andrew and I live on opposite sides of the world.
0: I mean, the good news here is that my sleep schedule is back to, uh, back to normal. So that's good. I'm happy about that. At least.
1: I couldn't believe that I got a message from you around 5. PM Eastern standard time. <laughs> yeah. I was like, that's the earliest I think you've ever sent me a message because usually it's around 7. PM. Right. Or 8. PM. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, those are, that's a lot of housekeeping items. Um, But make sure to keep tuning into the NLSC YouTube. Um, Try to give us a listen on the podcast. Keep your eyes on the forums as well, because there's a lot of great mods being released still for NBA 2K14, uh, for NBA 2K23. Thundershack's still doing his stuff on 2K20. Still a lot of stuff going on um, that's super awesome on the NLSC forum. Before we go on, a reminder that the NLSC
0: podcast comes out every week on the NLSC, livecom as well as our YouTube channel. We're also on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and other podcast apps. If you're listening on any of those apps, we'd greatly appreciate a review. To keep up with the show and everything we're doing with basketball gaming in general, connect with us on social media. On Twitter and Facebook, we are the NLSC. We also have an Instagram, NLSC Basketball, and on YouTube, we're youtube.com slash live series center. Once again, visit us at nba-live.com, where in addition to the podcast, you'll also find all of our original content, as well as our forum and modding community. So Derek, this weekend you put out uh, that notice that we we were going to be talking about uh, NBA Action 95. This week, and we will be getting to that shortly, but we we do have a question came in from uh, KidCash202, shout out to you as always, about the NBA Playgrounds. noticed some uh, NBA NBA Playgrounds footage going up from your Parsec sessions, also in the top 10 this week, and asked, uh, How does the NBA Playgrounds games compare to on Fire Edition? I see videos of you playing Playgrounds and the games look similar. Would it be a step backwards to play Playgrounds? I like the random backgrounds the game offers. So uh, I'll throw it over to you first, Derek. Uh, how would you compare uh, OFE and the playgrounds games?
1: Well, first off, I actually connected with at Avery Semp, um, who was new to the Discord, and um, we played five games. We won all of them, which was awesome. Um, we played five games on NBA Playgrounds with various lineups, and um, we were playing the Steam version. And I think he used three different versions of Shack for the first three games. So he used Celtic Shaq first or um, Miami Shaq second and Orlando Shaq third. And then um, we connected and actually it was four games that we played. And then the last game that we played, I was using Jamal Crawford and he was using Sean Kemp and he was using the Cavs version, but we, um, we had a ton of fun. Those highlights are actually up on the NLSC YouTube and him and I were talking about it and I said to him NBA playgrounds is 10 times more fun co-op than it is trying to play that game, you know, as a single player experience. And I think that's one thing too, that separates NBA jam on fire edition and NBA playgrounds is NBA jam on fire edition can be fun solo or co-op because the game is always fast. It's always super action packed. Um, I think Tim Kittrow obviously adds to the excitement. He's a bit better than Iron Eagle. Even though Iron Eagle doesn't bother me, I think Tim Kittrow just brings it with all of his catchphrases, um, with his tone, with his excitement and everything. It's like Tim Kittrow is action when it comes to basketball. Definitely. So NBA Jam on Fire Edition gameplay is just faster. The dribbling is better, like the dribbling mechanics, because on... NBA playground, you're using the right stick, and a lot of times you just get a random move when you flick it in a certain direction. But on NBA Jam on Fire Edition, you can choose between the crossover and the spin move, and it allows you to string together combinations better, and you just know what you're doing on NBA Jam on Fire Edition as a result. You know it's at your fingertips as far as control. So I would say the dribbling is better. The alley-oops are also better on NBA Jam on Fire Edition because the ones that are in... NBA playgrounds are often in slow motion and it's off uh, honestly a little bit too slow. Sometimes I think that playing defense is more rewarding on jam on fire edition as well. The steel mechanics are better. You don't have to worry about your turbo meter constantly running out just by swiping at the ball a couple of times. I think that the, the blocking is not only more rewarding mechanics wise on NBA jam on fire edition, but, um, there's also many different variations of animations that come with the blocks on, on fire edition between the collision mechanics um, and just, just overall the animations that play out. I think that um, the other piece is that NBA playgrounds doesn't move at an arcade basketball pace, but it dubs itself a arcade basketball game. And I think you would agree. I think the, the gameplay often moving up and down the floor is very sluggish. Yes. It's even more sluggish in the original playgrounds because of how fast your stamina meter runs out. It runs out too fast in both games. But um, like if you're playing the original NBA playgrounds and you do one dribble move, your stamina is shot and you end up having to do a layup on the other end, like your guy won't be able to dunk it. Um, Or you just need to like stand around for a second and dribble around for a second, just for your meter to fill up again. So you can actually pull off another move or go for a dunk. It's not a good system for an arcade game. It's not a good system for a for a SIM game to be, to be honest with you. Um, And then obviously one of the biggest differences between the two games is on NBA playgrounds, they implemented not only a shot meter, but also a dunk and layup meter. And obviously you don't have that on NBA Jam on fire edition. So the gameplay is a little bit more free flowing and whatnot. And you can focus more on the things that you should, but on NBA playgrounds, you're constantly looking at the meter while you're playing. And I believe there is a setting in it where you can, where you can turn it off, but by default it is on. And the meter works very strange in NBA playgrounds because you know how an NBA 2k you have like green releases and what's a green release in 2k. It's a guaranteed make, right? Yeah. It's a net. The net's going to explode. It's going to be a swish. That's that. But in NBA playgrounds, let's say you shoot a three, uh, just uh, come up with, I don't know, like Paul George, you shoot a three with Paul George and you get the, um, the hash mark right in the middle of the green. And you're like, this should go in. And You really miss a lot of those in the game because it's not like a guaranteed make. It's basically when you get it in that area, it goes by the player's shooting percentage or whatever ratings they have assigned to that player. So, like, it will say, like, Paul George, 38 percent chance to make this shot. Right. And if you're anywhere outside of that green area inside the meter, it's a zero percent chance of hitting it. Exactly. It it feels It feels like they way overdid it with sim-type mechanics in an arcade basketball game, and the sim-type mechanics don't even make sense for a sim game. Exactly. Yeah, I think you would agree, though. I think those probably, all of those things I just mentioned, those are probably just the biggest differences between NBA Jam on Fire Edition and NBA Playgrounds.
0: Definitely, and it should be noted that even if you do turn the meter off, the mechanics are still there in the background, so you're still dealing with that uh, approach, that design to uh, shooting mechanics. My, my glib response to how does it compare is it doesn't. Um, I, that, that's, that's a bit harsh. Uh, I have warmed up to the Playgrounds games over the years, uh, even playing them solo, but as you said, they work much better as co-op experiences than uh, solo play, whereas Jam uh, quite uh, adequately, more than adequately, in fact, caters to both and is, is a blast to play solo and uh, uh, either head-to-head or cooperatively. Now, balance is the big thing. NBA Jam, all the best NBA Jam games are very well balanced. And that goes for the EA games as well, especially on Fire Edition. And you can still make it work with the uh, lower rated shooters if you can time the, uh, the shot properly. That was the case back in the uh, classic days as well, that even, uh, even a rating under a certain point, uh, you know, if you had a, a center with a three-point rating of three or four, you could still knock down a few threes, few open threes well-timed in the classic NBA Jam games just as you can in the EA titles as well. And that's how it should be. It should be that looser approach to it. But the threshold of usefulness with ratings in playgrounds is way too high that there, there are some ratings that are just a useless below a certain threshold. Uh, of course, Playgrounds 2, there's a lot of grinding uh, to upgrade the players from their lowest ratings to their premium ratings. And there's a lot of challenges to do that. And that can be fun, but there's a lot of work there. Plus, you've got to unlock all of the players. There's that microtransaction element to it as well. Uh, I, I much prefer the way that NBA Jam handles its rosters. Not having to collect cards, not getting all the doubles, like, like my team, basically. And having to then grind them all up people i know there's people who enjoy that and it's a not a bad idea in theory there's just too much of it it's just too much grinding and too repetitive to do that for all the players in the game so that that's definitely a design flaw i feel with playgrounds uh basically everything you said about gameplay the uh, the pace is just not there uh not not as quick as it needs to be for an arcade style game uh, i do prefer the nba jam approach uh, on fire the on fire power up is better than the lottery pick system Interesting idea. It does work, and it's uh, it's fun that they tried uh, something different, tried to go in their own direction with it. But at the end of the day, I still prefer being on fire and the balance of uh, the NBA Jam games. And uh, yeah, just just the that exaggerated approach to NBA gameplay rather than the uh, style I've got with uh, the, the the street style I have with um, playgrounds. It they are solid games, but you know I've called them a poor man's NBA Jam before. And while it is while it is a little bit harsh. I do kind of stand by that.
1: Yeah, and NBA Playgrounds and NBA Playgrounds 2, both of those games don't have a mode that even gets close to Road Trip. Not at all, not and at all. That's the other, and that's the other piece of this. Um, I think that the season mode that's in Playgrounds 2 and then the you know campaign mode that's in the original, um, I think that they do have their moments and it's fun to conquer them for the first time, but then your replayability is basically shot at them. Exactly, right? yeah. So I, I think that um, the NBA Playgrounds, I hate to use this word, just like overall of a, as a game is pretty um, shallow in comparison to Jam on Fire Edition. Now, that being said, I've said it on past podcasts. My brother, Nick, and I beat both of those games. We beat the campaign mode on the original Playgrounds and then on Playgrounds 2, we did complete a season and we had fun doing that. And we've unlocked a bunch of players. When you play Playgrounds co-op, It can still be pretty fun to try to, you know, overcome adversity together, throw alley-oops, you know, make fun plays, um, use signature moves, which is kind of a cool touch. That's in NBA Playgrounds, like Hakeem Olajuwon does like his shimmy fade, all of that stuff. Um, Like his dream shake, we'll call it. He does his dream shake in NBA Playgrounds. However, when if I ever try to play that game solo, I want to fall asleep. Yeah, that's the way it is. But I have had, yeah, yeah, I've had a lot of fun with that game um, co-op. So to kid cash, if you want to connect with me sometime or some other members of the community on that game, definitely recommend playing it co-op through parsec um, like I did with Avery and you might have a pretty good time. Uh, I think that NBA jam on fire edition is, it's very hard to compete with that game, you know, any, or any other basketball arcade game has trouble competing with it, and Playgrounds is no exception. And my final comment
0: here is that NBA Playgrounds and NBA 2K Playgrounds 2, they're worth playing, they're worth having in the collection. I'm not sorry that I got them. I have them on both uh, PS4 and PC and uh, do play them from time to time. But yeah, they just ultimately, if you have the option to play on Fire Edition rather than Playgrounds, uh, OFE all day.
1: Yeah, the other piece of that too... Um, all the critiques that I mentioned basically go for both playgrounds. So I just want to get that out there, you know, for the original and for playgrounds two. I think that the one improvement gameplay wise that stands out on playgrounds two over the original is the stamina is a little bit more forgiving. Yes. It's still frustrating, but you're not tied down to like one dribble move and then a layup. You can do maybe a couple dribble moves and still go in for a dunk. So like, I think that they were a little bit more forgiving and obviously the player roster got a little bit better once they joined 2K. So they ended up having, like, Michael Jordan in the game. So, like, um, I, I consider Playgrounds, the original and Playgrounds 2, pretty much even as far as, like, when you compare both of them. But, yeah, the critiques basically go for both.
0: I, I agree, yeah. And uh, two, uh, 2 I would give the edge over the original, but I would give uh, OFE a very strong advantage over both. Agreed. So, Derek, uh, NBA Action 95, uh, a game that uh, I didn't play growing up. I didn't have a, a Sega Genesis, or indeed a uh, Mega Drive, as it was called here in the uh, Power regions, so I wasn't able to play it, have played it uh, uh, in the years since. Uh, we actually connected and played a game uh, just before we started recording. We had played it before, actually, over Sega like, a couple of times. Uh, very interesting title, and uh, a lot of stuff in there that's uh, ahead of its time.
1: I think the biggest confusion Andrew and I had when revisiting this game and preparing for this podcast was when the hell was this game (laughs) released and And who made it (laughs) who made these series yeah, Yeah. yeah yeah it turns out that this game was released in 1994 for game gear with david robinson on the front um with a different cover shot though than what he had on like sega genesis obviously this is before he ended up winning the mvp in 94 95 but he was still just a big name in the league but it turns out that the sega genesis version was released actually in 1995 early 1995 and um it says that when you boot up the sega genesis version it shows the copyright um, on the david robinson splash screen and it says 1995 which explains why when i was looking for reviews of the game like how it was received at the time and everything there was a bunch of reviews from may 1995 june 1995 and then also a couple in july so um but yeah really interesting the the way this game was released and looking at those reviews from
0: magazines i'm guessing that they're they're from the may june july issue which is sometimes as we know with magazines come out a month or two early and they just call it the june issue comes out in april may sometimes it's a weird publication thing but very interesting history and of course we looked into it a bit further and didn't realize before because we are somewhat familiar with these games but hadn't really looked into the uh, some of the technical aspects and the uh, development details but nba action 94 also released for the genesis and uh, published by sega uh, was developed by malibu interactive whereas 95 was uh, developed by Double Diamond Sports. And looking at the history of the NBA Action Series, it seems to be a name that uh, that Sega has given to a bunch of different developers over the years and eventually ended up in Visual Concepts hands, becoming NBA Action 98 or NBA Fastbreak 98 on PS1. And that was the forerunner to the uh, 2K series. But the NBA Action Series is kind of not a, a series in the same way that 2K or Live is, Derek.
1: Which explains why NBA Action 94 and and 95 look so different on the court. Right. Because (laughs) it's different developers for both games. Like the difference in the, the primary camera view, the difference in the player models, the game art, all of that stuff. It is night and day different between NBA Action 94 and NBA Action 95. If you saw those two games on the court and you didn't know, That they were named NBA action, you would think that there is no way that they were part of the same series. The only commonality that you would really notice, like dirt, like between the lines action, is Marv Albert. Really, is, you know, Marv Albert is on the call for both of those games and he has multiple lines. And it's awesome hearing him, especially in a game that came out in the mid 90s, the fact that they did have commentary and whatnot because nba live 95 nba action 95's direct competitor didn't have commentary that's right right so that's another thing i want people to keep in mind as we go over the features um you know the goods the good and bad about this game is that they were competing directly with nba live 95 and nba live just went through the whole rebranding from nba showdown so i wanted to go over andrew how this game was received first so i'm gonna go over some uh, a few reviews here and there's actually one that's i I find pretty funny um but before i do that GameSpot feature description for this game fast breaking nba action spectacular all new fast breaking view allows you to lead the break up and down the court monster jams raining three pointers and wizard-like assists make nba action 95 the playmaker of the hardwood Check out the highlights. All 27 NBA teams and real players. Create up to 40 players, which we're going to get into that a little bit later. Play a full season, playoffs, or the NBA finals. Hall of Fame greats. Trade players to create a dynasty. Extensive play calling features. So all sounds amazing, right? And there actually were a lot of people that liked this game, including a lot of the reviewers. However, this is one reviewer that did not like the game. This is Sports Video Game Reviews. They graded it a C plus, and they said NBA Action ninety five is just barely good enough for some short lived fun. It's a very basic game that does a nice job placing the player in the middle of its speedy, ahem, action. So they did. They weren't fans of the game, Andrew.
0: No, there's a bit of a uh, bit of snark in that review. And look, I, having played it, I can see where they're coming from as far as it. There are some quirks to the gameplay that uh, I'd certainly have me preferring a game like Live 95, but eh, they've, they've sort of leaned into the snark there for sure.
1: Yeah, I feel like that was a little rough. Well, here's the funny part. He ends his review saying, where does it fall in the series? It's Sega's last basketball game on the Genesis. It follows Pat Riley basketball, David Robinson, Supreme Court, and NBA Action 94, and it blows all those games out of the water. So he takes a shot at those games <laughs> at yeah. the end of the arc. Which is funny, I actually prefer the gameplay um, Overall in NBA Action 94 Because I think it's more sim um, I think it it Feels more like NBA real NBA Action, but um, That is pretty harsh By uh, that reviewer GameSpot in 2001 Somebody else reviewed it, um, so a few years After it was released, and this is the funny one He says, final analysis NBA Action 95 Is just too much fun to pass up Any game which can get me addicted to the sport it's based on is a good one. And then he he says the um, tagline that happens every time you boot up the game where Marv Albert says, time running out, throws up a prayer, it's good. And then underneath that, he says, Pat, who's the reviewer, he goes, Pat would like to point out that the chances of you liking this game as much as him are just about completely nil. (laughs) And he rated it and Pat rated it a 10 out of 10.
0: So the uh, duality of man there, the two different perspectives on that game, uh, I, I think my my personal uh, review of it, um, if I was to do one, would fall somewhere in the middle of that. Uh, I think it's important to note the uh, aspects that weren't, uh, weren't that great compared to its uh, competitors at the time, which is something you always have to do when you go back to these games. You have to compare it to its contemporaries, not uh, necessarily the uh, its successors. Uh, with that being said, there is a lot of stuff in the game which we're going to get into that was ahead of its time, the the content, the depth. And uh, even Live95 for the, the 16-bit versions, actually even the PC version as well, didn't have the extensive uh, creation suite of being able to create players. There was the custom teams, obviously, but you couldn't create players until Live96. Uh, in the uh, 16-bit versions, you could only trade players in uh, season mode and even then only the starters. So anything that could give you that uh, full control over the uh, roster management was was definitely ahead of its time at that point. And, and certainly all of, the, all of the legends in that game. And it's, it's funny, Derek, to look at the, the legends teams then, because a few years later, all, all of the legends teams that we were perhaps pl- used to playing with in the late 90s, early 2000s, they include a lot of the stars of the 80s and 90s, whereas back then the, the Hall of Famers and so forth were really the uh, players from the much earlier days of basketball. So it's interesting, that what was the, who, who were the legends then, and then who were the legends a few years later encompassed uh, such a, a bigger uh, galaxy of stars?
1: Well, I just want to say that when it comes to depth, this is absolutely more deep than NBA Live 95. And for a sports game at the time, this is it. Like the depth in this game is going to blow a lot of our listeners away when we get to it. And it's, it's not just the legends, which is an amazing touch, but it's the stat tracking. It's the awards tracking. It's the fact that you can control every team and uh, in, in play every game in a season. Etc. So we're going to get into that. I want to read a couple more reviews real quick Um, because you can see the difference in reactions to this game. Now, these two reviews that I'm I'm reading uh, happened like either during the preview season of the game or after it was released. So video games and computer entertainment rated it an 8 out of 10. While NBA Action 95 might not be as flashy in the graphics and animation departments as EA's NBA Live 95, the cart, meaning cartridge, does feature solid gameplay. Fast action, good coaching options, and a ton of stats to analyze before and after each game. Hearing Marv Albert exclaim, he served up a facial is nearly worth the price of admission alone. Check this one out. So that's a great review there. And then Electronic Gaming Monthly was the exact opposite. They gave it a 12 out of 20. I don't know who the hell uses a 20-point rating scale, but they gave it a 12 out of 20. And they said, I don't know about you, but what was Sega thinking about when they were making this game? This almost overhead view is a neat feature, but the playability of the game is quite awful. With an exclamation point, Andrew, it was very hard to move your player and the animations of the players dunking and driving through the lane are quite cheesy. The comments from Marv Albert were getting irritating, very repetitious. So again, two completely different reactions to the same game. And the next generation reviewed the game, rating it two stars out of five and stated that The small players and generic animation leave this game more than just a bucket short of the playoffs. So, yeah, I mean, that's why a lot of times, Andrew, and we've talked about it before on the show, you got to get your hands on these games yourselves, right? And try them and make up your own mind, because if you're going by the reviews, this is all over the place.
0: Oh, for sure. And, and different tastes, you know, different things do appeal to different people. I mean, I would also give the uh, the nod to Action 94 for that isometric view, even though I'm not a big fan of the way it rotates, but it does feel a bit more sim in that respect. Uh, it, it, it can be a bit disorientating uh, going, uh, when, when you change uh, sides, when, when you change directions at uh, at halftime in uh, Action 95, when you're going towards the top of the screen, then, going, uh, then you're bringing your players towards the screen. So, so you know, I'm, I'm more of a fan of a... Uh, more consistency in the in the direction and the way the camera is handled. But I mean, there's a lot of good stuff about the game. It, it is fun. The uh, the putback dunk that uh, I managed to get was, uh, you know, th- those are the kinds of things as we've said before, Derek, that really fire you up when you just see something cool in those old games. And it definitely had that.
1: Andrew had a monster putback dunk. Um, and I also had a ridiculous chase down block with Rick Barry. That was absolutely excellent. And I also had a pretty nice dunk with Julius Irving, obviously, we're, we were using one of the NBA Legends teams, those classic players, which is such a nice touch. Um, Andrew and I ended up losing that game by a few points at the end. But we definitely made a run uh, with Rick Barry knocking down threes and um, attacking the basket with Pete Maravich and everything. Um, we almost pulled out that win. But the game definitely had its moments. It has good shooting mechanics. It's It feels great when you hit a shot in that game. Um, I'm impressed with the layup animations that are in that game. I think they look kind of cool, whether it's going off the glass or just putting a finger roll up over the hoop. Um, The dunks are very double dribble playoff edition-esque. I I think that they're, you know, monster jam type stuff. And what I want people to realize, if, if you haven't played this game or you're reminiscing about it, is the 90s was like the attitude era for basketball right it was the the yelling on dunks it was the in your face type stuff it's you know Sean Kemp dunking on Alton Lister and pointing at him
0: right? yeah, it's, it's a decade of extreme um, for
1: sure yeah it's the it's the decade of extreme like you've said on past podcasts so what they were doing with NBA action 95 was feeding into that that's the way I look at it there's a lot of grunting there's a lot of yelling in that game. Um, and it is weird to see that because I mean, I went up for a dunk with Bob Pettit and I threw it down (laughs) and they were like, he grunted and screamed. And I'm like, I can pretty much guarantee you that Bob Pettit didn't do that in the fifties.
0: No, Uh,
1: not not the dumb
0: thing back then. No,
1: (laughs) not at all. Right. Exactly. Um, but if you're talking about like fast paced, like we're talking about the gameplay now, we're going to get into the features in a minute, but if you're talking about like fast paced fun. Yeah. I mean, NBA action 95 has it. Uh, it has good steal mechanics. It has good block mechanics. The it feels very rewarding when you actually get a block, whether it be on a dunk or on an outside shot. It has um, the passing mechanics are a little wonky. Sometimes the ball looks like it disappears, like it transfers to the receiver. There was a couple times I threw it to Andrew, and I don't think he knew he had it because the the ball just transferred to him. Yeah, yeah, and uh, a um, lot of turnovers. A lot. I mean, it's I like a game that can
0: try and go for a bit of realism there and bit of balance as far as having some turnovers happen on errant passes but there's just a few too many errant passes i mean it's not kids sports basketball level
1: but there were some passes that i'm like no that that didn't go where i wanted to go that didn't go to you i threw about yeah i threw about three passes with pete maravich that should like my guy was only like five ten feet away from me and it just went sailing out of bounds and i'm like yeah Pete maravich would have easily made that pass how i'd make that pass like right now the biggest weakness gameplay wise that i noticed with nba action 95 is transition defense i think that the um after you score a basket there's the the computer's already up the floor right and you're you always feel like you're trying to get a chase down block or you're always trying to catch up to them because they're always ahead of you yeah um so they got a ton of free dunks and free layups on the other end um, and then you know you can take advantage of that as well because all of a sudden you're completely wide open up court and the computer can't catch you. So I would say that the biggest weakness gameplay wise that I noticed, and I think you would agree, is that transition defense.
0: I, I would agree, and I also think a few too many dunks and layups missed as well, like some very oh my easy ones in the first yeah. quarter.
1: That first quarter, I think you missed like three laps. That was rough, yeah. So it's and again, it's a
0: bit of a balancing issue there, I, I guess. And and yes, I also wasn't using turbo enough. I was kept forgetting turbo because it is the genesis controls uh i I think and of course it's a moot point because it's a sega published game so it's not going to be on any other platform but if that was on super nintendo and this is my nintendo versus sega bias from the as a 90s kid coming into uh, effect maybe but i do think if that was on super nintendo with its controller with the shoulder buttons with the l and r buttons for turbo that would have worked that game could have worked a lot better as far as controls
1: I've said this many times on prior episodes. I'll I'll always choose the Super Nintendo version if there's one available and there isn't a drastic difference um, in gameplay for the fact that there's just more buttons um, on the Super Nintendo controller and it's just more user-friendly. But we talked about the gameplay. Let's get into the features of this game. Like I said, I think this is incredible depth for a game that came out in you know 1994 for the Game Gear and then 1995 um for the Sega Genesis. So the, let's get to the basic features. So the the difficulty levels in this game is rookie, veteran and all-star. There's full and 22nd timeouts, which you talked about this on a prior show. That's a nice touch. Not a lot of games have had it. Yeah. Not a lot of games yeah. have had it. Yeah, pretty cool. Um instant replay feature, um it has a defensive matchups feature. Hell, I booted up 2K17 the other night, and guess what that has? Defensive matchups. You have that on uh, 2K23 as well. So, the fact that they had a defense, you you know, you could sex, um, you know, choose who your defender matched up with. You can't guarantee they're going to get back on defense, but um, it does have that feature. So, I think that's pretty cool. It has a game MVP option, um, and you can check that throughout the game, and that's right in the regular pause menu. So, I think that is super cool as well. Um and it has, you know, your exhibition play, your season play, your playoff play, et cetera. Um in the season mode, which we're gonna get into after we go over some of the classic player content, and classic team content. Um, the season mode is super deep, Andrew. And um I think people are gonna be surprised by that. And again, this is stuff that even if live had the better overall product and the better on court product, a lot of those extra features it they were still a few years away. Oh my god, yeah. Like I think that um this is ahead of its time and I am kind of sad that they took that break with the NBA action title and then, you know, came back for NBA action 98, which once again, by another, a new developer was visual concepts at the time. And then they went away again. Um, So features roster wise, actually, I want to get into that first. So you, you kind of touched on it a little bit earlier, but you have like your team rosters, trade players, sign free agents, Release players, player team profiles, um, which includes, you know, if you go into the player, it will show their height, their weight, where they went to school. It will show their last season stats. All of that stuff um, can create up to 40 players. And this is a really cool create a player feature, Andrew, because there's a ton of ratings to assign and you can do um all different types of hairdos. You can do you know, bald, long hair, short hair. You can have a beard, goatee, mustache. You can do goggles, all of that stuff. Just a lot of flexibility with the creative player in this game. And it's really impressive. So player records, team records, and then user records. And user records are, you can, you know, basically create a name. So you put in your name and then every time you play a game, it will record what you do. And then you can go back in and see, you know, your records over time. Um, and when I said the create a player thing was deep, Andrew, the rating system in itself in this game is deep, which is wild because when you get on the court, the gameplay is very, very straightforward and simple. But check this out. The rating system in this game have Offensive awareness, defensive awareness, speed, agility, ball handling, tray, which is three pointers, outside, penetrate, driving, inside, offensive rebound, defensive rebound, steal, passing, blocking, free throw. In a game that came out in 1994, 1995, that is insane. How much of that is the placebo effect? How much of that is actually you know, affecting how the players play on the court? I don't know. The gameplay is pretty simple. But how crazy is that? Oh, for sure. And this is
0: something we were talking about before we started recording. Just an amazing array of ratings for a game of that vintage. But like you said, the placebo effect, how much is it actually affecting gameplay uh, or having a, a, a significant effect on gameplay, shall we say? I mean, it probably has some, but... I mean, rebounding is another area where I'd say it's kind of weak as far as you, you scoop up a lot of rebounds off the floor, which is not uncommon for games of that vintage in general, obviously. And even, even as late as Live 2002, as we've talked about before, there were issues with uh, EA's games where you were getting more flat-footed rebounds and scooping off-the-floor rebounds than uh, jumping for them. But, that, uh, jumping for rebounds actually was, the, uh, was, was a bad idea, and it kind of is in Action 95 as well. But uh, it would be interesting to sort of work out just how much of an influence they have over gameplay. My my uh, suspicion is that it's uh, not as much as intended or uh, implied, but it is really cool that they were, were trying to go for that depth.
1: Yeah, I, I find it incredibly impressive because compared to, again, compared to NBA Live 95, there's just a lot more bones yep. to this one. Yeah. Um, and so I want to get into the season options and a little bit... Uh, you know, after we talk about the legends. And the reason is, is because I also did a sim simming situation. So I want to tell our listeners how that sim um, ended up in relation to stats and, and whatnot. So here's some of the extra content when it comes to legends and classic teams. There's three classic teams in this game. There's NBA stars, NBA legends, and NBA heroes. And those are like the legends teams. And these are the rosters. Four of those teams. So the NBA stars. It's Walt Frazier, Hal Greer, Billy Cunningham, Alvin Hayes, Willis Reed, and then on the bench it's Lenny Wilkins, John Havlicek, Dolph shays Dave DeBusschere, and Nate Thurmond. The NBA Legends roster has Bob Kuzi, Pete Maravich, Julius Irving, Rick Barry, and Dave Cowens, and on the bench is Nate Archibald, Earl Monroe, Jerry Lucas, Dan Issel, and Bob Lanier. The NBA Heroes roster has Jerry West, Dave Bing, Elgin Baylor, Bob Pettit, and Bill Walton. And on the bench is Sam Jones, Bill Bradley, Tom Heinsohn, Connie Hawkins, and Walt Bellamy. Andrew, NBA Live 19, you couldn't use these players outside of Ultimate Team. And they also didn't have a lot of these players in Ultimate Team. And that's a game that came out in 2018. We went backwards with basketball video games in relation to certain recent releases. Uh, this is pretty impressive. The fact that all of these legends signed on to be in NBA Action '95. I guess
0: it shows the uh, the power of the uh, Sega brand at the time that they were able to uh, bring in those players. Of course, David Robinson as the star player. I mean, the the full title is NBA Action '95, starring David Robinson. Uh, him being the cover player and the star at the star athlete of that game was what took him out of the PC version of NBA Live '95. So it just goes to show the way that the rights management was uh, likeness rights were really being handled at the time but but yes I mean you look at the its contemporaries, NBA Live wasn't having those legends except for unofficially in Live 96 which they got in trouble for when they did that on the uh, Super Nintendo and uh, Genesis versions but yeah many years later not having those players and not having them uh, as accessible on this variety of uh, of classic teams and of course you've got those I think you've got some uh draft class teams as well or some of the kind of the equivalent of draft class teams and a uh, veterans team and a stars team and it just goes to show that the going that extra mile with content even back then that even if it didn't have some of the depth of gameplay that uh, its uh, successes would have it had a lot of content just just different stuff to play with different teams to put on the floor so it was uh, you could have a lot of replay value out of that
1: yeah and i also want to point out that a lot of people consider NBA Live and NBA 2K, the originators of retro content,
0: right? Definitely.
1: Of classic teams or, you know, a Legends pool in NBA Live's case, the, you know, the all-decade teams and everything. People never mention NBA Action 95 when this discussion comes up. It seems to have been lost in discussion. And it, it's it's unfortunate because it's, it's not just the classic team content. They were doing things with, like, draft classes that is that it's just absolutely amazing. So... Along with the three classic teams, there's 12 draft class squads from 1983 to 1994. It, um, and those, I'm not going to go over each one of those because we'd be here all day, but I'll, I'll mention a couple of them. So, the class of 84, this is funny, it's John Stockton, Alvin Robertson, Otis Thorpe, Kevin Willis, and Akeem that's starting. Obviously, they didn't have the rights to Jordan, so he's not on there. And they didn't have the rights to um, Charles Barkley. But that's still a very strong team, but like they have the night class of 89 draft class, uh, Tim Hardaway, John Starks, Glenn Rice, Sean Kemp and David Robinson are the starters there. Uh, 1993, Penny, Isaiah Ryder, Jamal Mashburn, Chris, Chris Weber and Sean Bradley. Um, This one is a lot of fun. Class of 86, Mark Price, Jeff Hornacek, Chuck Person, Dennis Rodman, and Brad Doherty. And then the class of 85, Terry Porter, Joe Dumars, Chris Mullen, Carmelone, Patrick Ewing. So obviously those teams have benches too, but I'm giving you the starters. Um, Yeah, how great is it? 12 draft classes to also choose from. So if you and I decided to boot up the game again later, I could say, hey, Andrew, I think that this 1988 draft class is better than the 1985 one. And you would say, I disagree. Let's you know take it to the virtual hardwood and decide this. We could put those draft classes against each other and have a blast. I mean, what a cool thing to add to a game. And again, something that other games
0: weren't doing until many years later. And before we get too far past it, we, obviously this is a game that is uh, a bit overlooked, flies under the radar. And as you say, that is a shame. I think that's what happens when you do have a game that is... A first party game when it is uh, only released on one platform if you look at uh, the uh, Sony's NBA series for example things like uh, having the uh, skills challenge which was exclusive to uh, that game because 989 sports was sponsoring the uh, skills challenge at the time and of course the, the NBA inside drive series was doing some great things that uh, live and uh, even 2k weren't doing at the time but again it, being console exclusive platform exclusive that uh, that did hurt them somewhat as far as their visibility and uh, I guess their popularity in the long run.
1: For example, NBA Inside Drive. I only played that with my friend Craig at his house because he had an Xbox. Right. Exactly. Um, yeah. We had my brothers and I. We had a PlayStation too. So what game did we not own? NBA Inside Drive because um, it was exclusive proprietary to Xbox. So yeah, exactly. I, I, there's probably I don't know, millions of cases like mine out there where somebody had a PS2 as opposed to an Xbox, so they didn't pick up inside drive. Um, I also want to point out really quick before we move forward with the draft um, with the roster stuff, the original NBA Action 94 game did have NBA stars, NBA legends and NBA heroes. It had those three classic teams in that game. As well, So they did it the year before. However, it didn't have the draft classes. It didn't have the NBA veterans um, and NBA all-stars teams. And it was not even close to as deep from a season standpoint, as far as like, you know, being able to control, you know, play every game or control every team. Um, It it didn't have the same amount of stat tracking and award tracking, all of that stuff. It didn't have um, the roster editing. Etc. So like there was a huge jump in depth from NBA action 94 to NBA action 95. So while I do prefer at the moment, prefer the gameplay on NBA action 94 um, it definitely wasn't as deep. So the, the other teams special teams that are in NBA action 95 are NBA veterans. So that team is just made up of guys that have been around the league for a while at that point. It's like the starting lineup is fat lever, Danny Ainge, Dominique Wilkins, Buck Williams and Robert Parrish. Um, and then it had the NBA all-stars team to go along with the East and West, but the NBA all-stars team was just like the best players in the league all on one team. So it didn't matter East or West. So it's like John Stockton, Reggie Miller, Scotty Pippen, Karl Malone, and David Robinson. But, you know, those are basically all the special teams that were included, um, in the base game. And I'm just still floored by that. I mean, this game came out in 1994 to 1995, and it's just loaded with great content. And you note
0: know, the best players in the league there.
1: And we could actually see who was
0: uh, considered the best players in the league because there were overall ratings, which, again,
1: ahead of its time. One of these is going to surprise you. I think he's way too high overall. So I did actually write down the best overall players in the game. So there's only eight players with an over-90 overall rating. David Robinson, 99. Pippin, 99. Roster forward, which is Charles Barkley, 96, Hakeem, 96, Carl Malone, 96, Derek Coleman, Andrew, 93, Hmm. Penny Hardaway, 92, Clyde Drexler, 92, and roster center on the Orlando Magic, which is Shaq, is 86. Um, This game is so weird with its ratings because it's like a cross between NBA 2K9 and NBA Live 2004 because you have some really high-rated guys like this But then when you look at the other ratings in the game, you have guys like on NBA Live 2004, like guys in the 40s, like 40 overall, 44 overall. Like um, it is wild, the discrepancy in ratings between some of the top guys uh, on the team and then the bottom guys. That really is a cross between Live 2004
0: and 2K9. I I absolutely agree. That's a perfect way of putting it. That's a... That's kind of crazy, and, and yeah, I'm surprised that, that Shaq had that uh, such low ratings. Maybe his uh, free throw ratings uh, dropped that a little bit, and some of those key ratings there dropped his overall. We've seen that happen in uh, a variety of games over the years. But uh, you know, I mean, r- with all due respect to Chuck, and uh, not to bring up the whole uh, rings Ernie uh, <laughs> argument, but Shaq should definitely be uh, much closer to uh, a 96.
1: Yeah, I was surprised to see Penny six higher but i think i um i think the game kind of favors guards at times i'm not sure because if i remember correctly i think mookie blaylock is like 89 overall
0: makes sense yeah that's pretty
1: hot yeah but i'm pretty sure that's that's what it is so um now i wanted to get into really quick the season stuff and this just blew me away when i went into the season menu because i had forgotten how deep this was so these are the um season options nba standings daily schedule Individual leaders, injury report, team schedule, team leaders, team player stats, team player profiles, season MVP, team roster, simulate until all NBA team and NBA playoff tree, all NBA team, Andrew, there's a menu option for that for a game that came out in 94, 95 Um, season MVP, you click into that and it will show, you know, at that point of the season, who's you know, slated to be the MVP. And obviously that will change depending on if somebody ends up getting better numbers or a team does better and whatnot. But it's really cool because in the original NBA action 94 game, you could only choose like one team and you play with that team through the season. But on this game, when you go into the schedule, um, to the daily schedule, you can select the game, any game, and put h next to it for human and play that game and that is such a cool touch for a game that came out that you're like they're telling you basically you can play any game in this season you can play the
0: entire season yeah you can play with the entire league absolutely uh, again something you couldn't do with live uh the that's stat tracking the awards tracking is, uh, again, not to overuse a phrase, but so ahead of its time. I think Live 97 might have been the first uh, game in the series uh, that had, and th- we're talking about the P- PC and PS1 version here, that had any kind of uh, season award winners at the end. But you couldn't track them throughout the season. I mean, you could look at who had the best stats and kind of figure out who were the probable front runners. But, but yeah, that kind of tracking just uh, wasn't common back then. So they, they really went all out in, in having this uh, NBA experience. And it's uh,
1: it's, it's very impressive. So I simmed 16 games of a season. It takes a while to sim in that game. So I only did 16 games and the standings were pretty close to what they were in real life. Actually, during the 94, 95 season, the bulls though, were um, the notable team that was struggling and a little bit unrealistic compared to its real life counterpart. I believe they were seventh in the East at that point. Um, but the rest of it was pretty right on, you know, the Spurs um, were doing incredibly well. I, I believe the Rockets and the Jazz held the, the best records in the West, et cetera. But in those 16 games of uh, that I simmed, here are the stat leaders scoring David Robinson, 33.5, Jim Jackson, 31.8, Andrew. Now, He could score the ball. In fact, I think his highest average was in an injured season. I think he averaged about 25 points a game. But second in the league in scoring, Jim Jackson? I don't know. Yeah, I question that
0: one. I mean, David Robinson obviously should be up there as well. And, you know, I think he had a season around 28, between 27, 29 points per game, especially when he had that uh, 71-point game to uh, clinch the scoring title. But uh, that might be a bit of uh, cover athlete bias there as well. It could be.
1: I mean, he he actually, his highest average was 29.8. That was his highest single season average. So he did almost average 30, but Great. it might be a little bit cover athlete bias. Um, Glenn Rice, 30.2. Mm. Um, that's also <laughs> high for him. 26, I think, was his highest in real life. Hakeem, 29.7. That's pretty close. Um, and Shaq, so roster center, 28.9. Total rebounds Derek Coleman, Andrew, leading the league in rebounds, 288. Carl Malone, 272. Matumbo 242. Shaq, 235. And Kemp, 226. Assists. Kenny Anderson is blowing Stockton out of the water here with 275 assists. John Stockton, 235 is second in the league. Dan Barros, 211, if people remember right. You know, Dana Barros had his best season actually in real life in 94-95 with the 76ers. He averaged 20 points a game that year and was an all-star. Um, Pooh Richardson, 204, and Muggsy Bogues, 178. Blocks, Mutombo, led the league. That's, that's realistic. Um, 86, Shaq, so roster center, 79, Sean Bradley, 72, Hakeem, six, 67, and Kemp, 66. And Steels Pippen, 52, McMillan, 52, Mookie Blaylock, 51, Eric Murdoch, 50, and Penny Hardaway, 49. And then this one I found was thought was interesting. So threes made, Dan Marley leading the league with 62, Glenn Rice, 59, Mark Price, 53, Reggie Miller, 52, and Van Axel 49. That's pretty damn realistic. That's pretty well done on the um, threes made simming there. Yeah, those, those are some pretty
0: good numbers. The assists are obviously uh, a bit off. And, of course, uh, Dennis Rodman being the obvious uh, uh, name, being left off the uh, rebounding leaders.
1: Yeah, I was surprised to see that. Um, Derek Holman leading the league in rebounds is... Yeah, he's a little bit overdone in this game. They were buying into the hype at that point.
0: I think that, I mean, what, 90, mid-90s, 94 was kind of one of his best seasons. Like he was uh, uh, named an all-star that year. I think he actually got in on the... Uh, the fan vote that year but not uh wasn't a bad pick because he was a fantastic player at that time kind of started going downhill after 1995 uh does it have all the the class of 94
1: rookies is it updated for the 95 season so the class of 94 there's actually a team for that it is updated for the 95 season it has jason kidd right wesley person grant hill glenn robinson and celtics legend eric montross that's that the class of 94 team in that game so yeah it is actually updated so again that puts it ahead of the 16-bit version of live 95 which had final 9094 season rosters see and that's what i mean like like the depth of this game and how complete it is and everything it is an nba fan's dream right like even me going back um, to it and doing all of this research for this episode was so much fun because I'm looking at all the player portraits that in their game. Yes, they do have real images in black and white of the players, not all the legends, but of like the current NBA teams and everything. So it's a real picture of Reggie Miller and David Robinson and all of that stuff. And I'm going in through the player profiles and I'm looking at the height, weight school, you know, their season stats from the year before all of that stuff. And it's like, this is an NBA fans dream back then and today. So it's really cool to look at this game. But um, I figured it was worth discussing because, you know, so much of the basketball discussion, the basketball video game discussion today is on NBA 2K. And when it's not NBA 2K, it's NBA Live. And people seem to forget about Inside Drive, In the Zone, NBA Action, NBA Shootout, um, etc. And it's cool to touch on these games sometimes.
0: It really is. And we, we've talked before about how we miss having that choice and having the all the different developers throwing their hat into the ring as far as the uh, NBA uh, basketball gaming space. And and look, some of the games were better than others. As I said before, it got to a point where Live and 2K were definitely the brand leaders and 2K eventually just taking over Live and leaving it in the dust. But these other games, and you look at NBA Shootout or Total NBA was known here in the uh, Power regions and NBA Action and so forth, just having those other games the best ones were at the very least playable on the virtual hardwood but they also had these other cool features that may not have been uh, being done by the brand leader we've talked we've identified a lot of things that live wasn't doing and even if live 95 was the superior game on the sticks or gamepad as the case may be at the time that action was doing action 95 was doing all this stuff that live wasn't so there's was all this other detail going into those games and it is still fun to play uh, it does have its issues but it is still fun to play so yeah, that is the value of having the options in the space and having other developers uh, throw their hand into the ring and try these different things. And yes, maybe they don't get everything right with the gameplay or maybe their season mode is a bit uh, strange with some of the games. Obviously, this one is a Action 95 that does a great job with its season mode. But these other games, the fact that there was a choice and that... You know, there are a lot of people who, even if live is, well, even in the days when live was in its golden age and considered the premier brand, there are still a lot of people who say, hey, I, I prefer NBA shootout or I prefer NBA action. And that,
1: this is why. I go back and play those games all the time. You know it. Um, because I've been sharing footage on it as well. You know, I go back and play shootout. And my brother and I have a season on Inside Drive 2003 where we're, you know, about halfway through a season, all 12 minute quarters and whatnot. Um, I think these games are special even games like NBA starting five and um, ESPN NBA tonight. Like I think those games are special in this space and they're really fun to revisit because of all the things that they were doing with those games at the time. There's one more feature I wanted to bring up that I wish was in NBA action 95. That was in NBA action 94. There is um, an option called role play that's in NBA action 94. And it's basically player lock and what it does is it allows you to control one player on a team and the cpu controls the rest and when i tell you that the cpu is awesome in nba action 94 and that they play better than the modern games when you do a player lock scenario that would be an understatement like you pass it to dale i was using the spurs and i was locked on willie anderson You pass it to Dale Ellis, and if Dale Ellis has a good look at a three, you don't got to tell him to shoot it. He's going to fire that three, and he's going to knock it down. If you see if the computer cuts and you find them when they're cutting, they're going to try to finish it at the rim. Um, They move well without the ball. They'll make their own decisions. They are incredibly smart. If you don't believe me, go back and play NBA Action 94 and choose the role play option, and just so you'll be locked on one player, you will be blown away at how awesome – the AI is in that game. Unfortunately with NBA Action 95 I couldn't find a role play option. I think they took it out of the game. And again,
0: I mean you look at what goes on with uh, my career these days and uh the I've played a lot of my career over the past uh, 10 years obviously, and there are times when I wish my teammates were smarter or I wish I could force them to shoot, which isn't possible in every single game. Some of them do have that uh the uh the ability to force them to shoot or certainly to call for a pass at the very least which is very handy sometimes but yeah that uh that smart play by the uh cpu controlled players and when you are player locked isn't always there even to this day so again uh that's so impressive for a game made in the uh with the technology at the mid-90s
1: yeah my brother and i tried to do that on nba 2k19 where we were both locked on a player and we allowed the computer to control the other three and it was a nightmare It just, like, you had to tell the computer to do anything, to do everything. They were just standing around a lot of the time. They were not good decision makers, et cetera. Like, the AI is actually far more fun to play with and more realistic in even NBA Action 94. So I I was just really surprised by that. And and I might even upload a gameplay video so people see it um, where I'm locked on a player so they can see how I play with them and how they play with me. It's just super impressive.
0: Well, one of the things I really enjoy about what we've been doing with Parsec and everything over the past uh, couple of years is obviously being able to just revisit these games together and have a lot of fun, but to be able to, to celebrate that history of basketball gaming and to bring attention to them, because uh, to go back to what you said, it is important to remember these games because a lot of people, they did fly under the radar because they were console exclusive or perhaps not as popular as the uh, brand leaders. But uh, yeah, it's it's definitely important to put that out there. And of course, we'll always... Uh, revisit the the big titles as well like your live 2000s your nba 2k 11s and, and so forth but but yeah being able to spotlight some of these games that uh that do fly under the radar is uh is really cool
1: yeah and you know our listeners if, if you have any suggestions on games you'd like us to revisit and maybe you know do the same thing that we just did with nba action 95 you know you know on the show just let us know um, we'll probably dive into it
0: We'll definitely make time to do that and uh yeah it was definitely fun to uh, revisit nba action 95 today first playing it of course but then going through all these uh, features and uh yes me not having a genesis or a mega drive as it was again in the power regions uh back in the day totally flew under my radar and it wasn't something i was able to play until uh, years later but i'm certainly glad that i that i did and uh yeah i, I wouldn't be opposed to connecting on it again and And I'm sure that we can. uh, I'm sure we'll do better next time uh, with a bit more, uh, bit more time to get used to those controls because they can be clunky. But the game is definitely fun.
1: You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to map my Xbox One controller to make it so while I'm playing that game, I can use the trigger for turbo. I'm just going to assign that button to the trigger, and I recommend you do the same. And then it will feel more like you know a super nintendo
0: game i think that'd be a good idea yeah because obviously again we can do that with the emulators and uh how much fun can we have with a variety of uh retro titles these days it's uh and as, as much, much as we've talked uh, about 2k23 and how we feel it is the uh, the best release in a few years and certainly this generation the uh, the next gen version of it that uh it's never going to get old going back to the uh old favorites and discovering some gems as well
1: No, 100 percent. I can't wait for more connections on Parsec on these these classic titles, because um, I think that Parsec opens up the avenue for people to play games. Either they haven't played in a long time or maybe they've never visited before. Right. Um, I can just say to somebody, hey, guys, you know, I have, you know, NBA Inside Drive 2003 um, have you ever played that? And they can say, no. And I'd say, well, connect to me on Parsec and let's get a game in. And how cool is that? They don't need to own the game in order to connect with me and have that experience and try it out. So yeah, Parsec's amazing for that.
0: It's basically the modern equivalent of going around to a friend's place and uh, playing something, whatever console they own and whatever games they own and uh, getting to play them instead. Exactly. So once again, please hit us up with any suggestions of games you'd like for us to revisit. Uh, We have had a few games that we've already done uh, deep dives on the show before. I'm sure we'll circle back to them again. But if there are any games you'd like us to cover that we haven't already taken a deep dive into on the show, once again, please hit us up with those suggestions. With that being said, that has brought us to the end of this week's show. As always, we thank you for tuning in and invite you to join us again next week, either on the NLSC, nb-live.com, our YouTube channel, or your podcast app of choice. In the meantime, please connect with us on social media. That's where you can get in touch with us and, of course, stay up to date with all of our content. So, Derek, go ahead and blog the handles.
1: Yeah, you can reach me on Twitter, where I'm the most active, at D for 3G and at D for 384. I'm also on YouTube, D for 3, and the NLSC D for 3.
0: I am Andrew in the forum and Andrew NLSC on Twitter. The NLSC is on Twitter and Facebook at the NLSC. Our Instagram is NLSC Basketball. We're on YouTube at YouTube.com slash NBA Live series center and of course give a lock to the nlsc itself dot livecom for everything we do for basketball video games so thank you once again for tuning in and until next time i'm andrew and i'm derek go get buckets everyone